0: Hello and welcome to the SAMOP Specialty Spotlight Podcast. This podcast was created to help inform military medical students about experiences and opportunities in military medicine. We aim to interview physicians either currently in or retired from the military from all branches of service in various specialties. Today, we are fortunate to have Dr. Moore with us. Dr. Moore is board certified in family medicine and a fellow of the American Academy of Family Physicians. Dr. Moore earned his bachelor's degree from the United States Naval Academy, and holds his DO degree from Nova Southwestern, Southeastern University, holds a master's degree in public health from the University of West Florida, and has completed residencies in family and aerospace medicine. During his active duty service with the US Navy and Marine Corps, Dr. Moore has had the privilege of caring for active duty members of all service branches in peacetime and in combat as well as providing care for their families. After retiring from the Navy, he helped establish an integrated primary care and behavioral health clinic in Springfield, Oregon, before joining the faculty of PNWU. He is now serving as the chair of the Department of Family Medicine and Osteopathic Principles and Practice. Welcome to the podcast, Dr. Moore.
1: Thank you. It's very nice to be here.
0: All right, Dr. Moore, I know I gave a little history about you, but would you mind telling the listeners a little bit about yourself?
1: Certainly. So, grew up in California. Um, My father worked in the produce, so we were a migrant family, if you uh, are aware of that. So, we moved with the lettuce uh, and the other produce. Um, Settled in Northern California near Santa Cruz, and... I had always had an interest in the military, although I don't come from a particular military family. My father had served in Korea, um, but I always had an interest. So out of high school, uh, I was able to earn an appointment to the Naval Academy, Uh, went there for undergrad, as you read in my bio, and then went into the United States Marine Corps out of the Naval Academy, spent Five years there serving, Uh, got to go to lots of garden spots of the world, like Somalia and uh, other places, Um, but had a great time, but ultimately decided that's not what I wanted to do forever. Because I was interested in medicine as well, I usually became good friends with whatever doc was uh, um, assigned to our battalion at the time. Um, and over time they convinced me that if you wanted to do medical school, you should do it sooner rather than later, because it's a bit of a journey. Um, so it was actually during my last deployment while my roommates on the ship I was on were playing video games. Yes. The very early form of video games. They did exist back then. Um, I was studying for MCATs. Uh, they all thought I was crazy. So I spent my time pretty much in the gym, taking care of my Marines or studying for the MCATS. And I applied only to osteopathic schools because that's what I wanted to do. Growing up, my family physician was an osteopath uh, and he just had a way with his patients and approach to healthcare that I I very much liked. So uh, applied to osteopathic medical school and then it seemed to be a no-brainer for me uh, to apply for an HPSP scholarship as well, uh, since I, I did enjoy the military. Um, and I was fortunate enough to get accepted into school and to uh, get accepted into the HPSP scholarship program. Uh, so went to medical school again in uh, Nova Southeastern in Florida. Um, Because I was prior service, that opened up some opportunities for me. So I got to do research uh, at the Navy Experimental Dive Unit in Panama City, which was a lot of fun. Um, Learned what tropical hours are and what tropical uniforms are, which basically means you go to work really early in the morning, but then you're done by two in the afternoon. Um, And I think for probably the folks who are not medical students, that meant that they got to go spend time with their families. But for us medical students that were doing research, that meant we got to hit the beach. So it was, it was pretty fun. Um, and yeah, from there, uh, decided to go into family medicine. Why? Because honestly, I liked every rotation I did. Some more than others, but every rotation was fun. There was something new, something exciting. Uh, I liked the idea of being able to take care of a broad range of patients. So applied and got into a family medicine residency in Pensacola, Florida, Um, went straight through, uh, was chief resident. So I I did well enough to become chief resident. And then that opened up an opportunity to have my first duty station be in Sicily. So, um, oh, by the way, I was a bit of an overachiever back then. So by the way, at the same time, I went to diving medical officer school and got certified as a diving medical officer uh, in the Navy, which was a blast. A lot of work, but it was a blast. And I bring that up because those are the sorts of adventures that are available to military trainees and military physicians that are not necessarily available to someone who goes to a civilian residency. And, and, you know, at the end of the day, when you're taking care of a patient who has heart failure, whether you're military or civilian, it's kind of the same, but the military gives you these additional opportunities, like going to dive school, all right, learning how to be a hard hat diver, learning how to run a recompression chamber, taking care of people with the bends. So, um, <clears throat> so I went off to Sicily where I was a uh, staff at the hospital there practicing full scope family medicine. I still very much remember the very first patient I took care of on my very first day as a quote real doctor. Uh, I had an ER shift and admitted somebody with meningitis and then had to put them up on our med surge floor because we did not have an ICU, but it was a, she was basically an ICU level patient, but we couldn't get it's a very complicated story. She wasn't eligible for care in our hospital, but she showed up at our doorstep and we had to take care of her, but then we couldn't get her medevac anywhere. So make a long story short, I, you know, I was scared to death uh, for the first handful of days I was an attending, but everything turned out well. I was trained well and she got better and we were able to get her back to Great Britain where she had come from. Um, And so, yeah, so I spent the first handful of years there as an attending uh, in Sicily. And again, um, practicing full-scope family medicine, delivering babies, med surge call, uh, working on the med surge floor, ER, as well as regular clinic, which included all ages. But I also got the opportunity to do some work down in Uganda, uh, and went with a team down to Uganda to provide medical care and do some um, some building up of water systems and things like that. Once again, another opportunity that's uh, somewhat unique uh, to um, being a military physician. So yeah, and then really my career was probably very much like many other physicians in the military. I bounced around different locations, um, did a lot of interesting things. I can say one other reason that I decided to go into family medicine is that If you're looking to go to cool places like be stationed overseas or go on ships and those sorts of things, there are a lot of spots in the Navy for family medicine docs. Once you become a specialist, your options begin to narrow. It makes total sense, right? If you're a pediatric nephrologist, we don't need a ton of them. And the ones that we have are kept at the big medical centers. But if you're a family medicine doc, Uh, the navy trained you to be able to go anywhere and everywhere and do a little bit of everything and so i try to take as much advantage of that as as possible so
0: i have a couple questions just since you started talking what was your undergrad what did you study in undergrad
1: um i was an oceanography major wow Yeah, the winds, the clouds, the, you know, the cute animals, the seals, (laughs) at least that's what I thought.
0: (laughs) So medicine was not on your radar. Did you have to go back and take a lot of your like biology? Well, probably not biology, but physics and.
1: Yeah, I did. So I was short a few things when I needed to get into medical school. Um, I was a Marine at the time stationed at Camp Pendleton, which is in Southern California. Um, I got out of the Marine Corps and went into the reserves so that I could do my, um, those prerequisites. And I kind of took them all at the same time. So I needed to do bio, excuse me, organic chemistry, a biology. Ooh, there was something else I had to do. And I figured out that between all of the schools within the San Diego area, I could take them all at the same time. So I took organic chemistry one, two, and three simultaneously at three different colleges. Um, yeah, as you can imagine, I, I did pretty well. I got an A in organic chemistry one, a B in two, and a C in three. <laughs> but I it was enough to get me in school. Oh, so.
0: Wow. So you, and you kind of mentioned that you decided to go into medicine after your time in the service as a Marine. Correct. You were a Marine officer?
1: I was, yes.
0: Okay. And then I would love to hear more about your diving medical officer, like training, and then what you did uh, in that, as, as that position. Um, That's something that's of particular interest to me. Sure.
1: So let me just give it some background for um, the listeners that may not be familiar with kind of how some of this works in the military. So um, you know, in the Navy, and I'll speak to the Navy, but some of this translates to the other services as well. You know, you have all your traditional specialties, internist, family med, orthopedic surgeon, et cetera. But you also have opportunities to get specialized training for areas that are needed primarily in the service. Uh, one of those areas is aerospace medicine. And we can talk a little bit more about that. I, I went ahead and did a residency in that. Diving medicine, There are um, opportunities to do surface warfare medicine, um, undersea medicine and some others. And most of these do not end up making you say board eligible for something. A, A couple of them do and we can talk about that. But they are training pipelines that last anywhere from three to six months or so that give you specialized knowledge for you to use within certain communities within the Navy. So, undersea medicine and diving medical officer certification is one of those. And what they do is they teach you to take care of divers. And they also teach you to take care of uh, the service members who serve on submarines. So you learn not just the skill of diving, um, both scuba diving and hard hat diving, you learn the concepts around decompression and recompression, how to run a chamber, how to treat somebody with the bends. You learn the physiology of, you know, both compression and decompression. You learn the medical conditions that are uh, basically surround that. You also learn a lot about some of the other conditions that are associated with long-term exposure to uh, high pressure. Um, There's some bone disorders and some other things like that. So you learn about those types of things. In addition, because you're taking care of folks who serve on nuclear submarines, you learn some nuclear medicine, not nuclear medicine as in let's tag these cells and see if you've got a tumor. Nuclear medicine as in how to, it's more of a radiation health type medicine, how to take care of folks and monitor folks who are exposed to ionizing radiation. Um, Once you learn all that, you go out and basically you get stationed at a place where you can take care of those folks. And there are some jobs where you are directly working for, say a squadron of submarines. There are some jobs where you work for a unit that is Navy divers. Um, My job, because I already had a billet at the hospital, was to still go and primarily be assigned to the US Naval Hospital there in Sicily. But there was an Explosive Ordnance Disposal Unit there who has divers, who had a chamber. And so I was part-time working with them so that if any of them had a problem diving or if they needed any specialized physicals, those sorts of things, I could help. So 95% of my workers, I would say 90% of my work was at the hospital with 10% working with the divers and treating a handful that had the bends and stuff like that. So...
0: So, you kind of mentioned that you chose to go into family medicine because you liked everything. I've been hearing a lot of, there's been a lot of like persuasion, I feel like, as a young medical student to choose a specialty because the family medicine field is becoming overrun with PAs and NPs. What are your thoughts on that? Do you have any advice for us going into? choosing a specialty or anything like that?
1: I think you should choose a specialty based on what you think you're gonna enjoy. The reality is there have always been pressures back and forth between different providers, between uh, you know folks who are, whether you wanna call them mid-levels or physician extenders or all those sort, sorts of names. Um, there is enough need for everyone, right? We can have another conversation when we are are flush with uh, providers everywhere in the country. At this point, we have a, a huge need everywhere. I don't view PAs or nurse practitioners as competition or, you know, anything other than really colleagues who have a role in medicine. It's more limited than my role, but it's a very important role. And so I would not Shy away from say primary care because you're concerned about a PA or a nurse practitioner taking your job. Not at all. There's plenty to do. I would also caution folks to start rotations with a particular specialty in mind. Yes, you're going to have some things that you might like or not like, but your best bet is to go off onto rotations with an open mind and really try to get the most out of everything. Because the reality is for a medical student, and this is going to sound mean, but you don't know what you want to be, right? You've never experienced practicing medicine the way a physician practices medicine. And that's okay, right? You're a student. So go into this with an open mind. You may find that seeing the same thing over and over and over every day may sound appealing. But after you do it for a month, you realize wow, seeing the same five diagnoses over and over and over again is really not fun. I would rather be challenged a little bit more. Mm-hmm. So,
0: Yeah, it's, it is, it's a daunting task when you feel like there's so much you don't know. Uh, but I'm hoping rotations helps solidify that, the interests more.
1: It it will, and you know, there are folks who end the rotations and still don't know. And for those folks, I think, you know, if you have the opportunity to do a rotating internship or a more traditional transitional year, it's called in some places, do that. Um, And if not, start off in a primary care field that's gonna give you a broad exposure, whether it be, you know, general uh, internal medicine or family medicine. Those residencies, that first year, really, it's a repeat of all of your, what you would consider your core rotations from uh, medical school. So, but yet you're now the provider, right? Mm -hmm. You're not the add-on, you're the person people are calling to. So it will give you a different perspective and it will help.
0: Switching gears a little bit, since you've had, you've been an officer in the Marine Corps and then also as a physician Do you have any suggestions on how us medical students can develop our officership while in
1: medical school? I think the most important thing to being a good military officer is the same thing that is important in being a good physician. And that is being professional and honest. Don't cut corners, don't lie, don't cheat, don't steal. Treat others with dignity. All of those general concepts are gonna serve you well in, in both realms. You know, it's a little bit unique in that physicians and military officers are both charged with taking care of others. And it's a big responsibility. And you, in order to take care of a patient, you have to be able to treat them with respect and see them as a valuable human being. The same thing is true in the military. Even if you're leading a squad of Marines or a platoon or uh, a section on a ship, making sure that you view those that you lead as valuable human beings and that your job there is not to lord over them, so to speak, but your job is to support them and to make sure that they have the knowledge the freedom, the tools to do the job that they need to do. That's your role. And again, it's the same thing as being a physician, right? Uh, my job, if I want someone to stop smoking, is to give them the information and support them in that journey if they want to stop smoking in, in whatever way. So I think the two are related. So keeping that in mind and keeping in mind that you need to be professional and treat folks with dignity in everything you do Um is gonna work for both. And I don't know that there's any particular class or anything else you need to take. Um, You will be, everyone will have to go through some officer candidate uh, school of some sort, right? Some introduction and they'll teach you all the specific rules and regulations of the military and all of that. But beyond that, it's just being professional, being honest um, and taking care of folks. Did you have any
0: challenges balancing being an officer and a physician while you were wearing both hats?
1: You know, I think that, yes. So there is, you know, there's a hierarchy. There's a hierarchy in medicine. There's a hierarchy in most hospitals. And then there's a military hierarchy as well. And I can say that early on, I struggled with relationships with nursing staff, um, You know, you're in situations where you are a physician, so in the medical hierarchy, you are sort of at the top, if you will, or at least you think you're at the top. Once you've been doing this a while, you realize none of us are at the top, right? (laughs) Um, But yet you may have someone from the nursing staff who outranks you significantly. And it's, it's an interesting dynamic, especially if they have a strong personality, to try to work through conflicts, right? Um, As you get older and wiser as both a physician and a military officer, you realize that, as I said, there really is nobody at the top. We're all working together uh, for the person who is truly the boss, which is the patient. Um, So there's some of that and you have to kind of learn your way through it. Um, And then, you know, there's been some conflicts with In in the military, a hospital is run by a commanding officer who is a senior officer, and they may have a different set of priorities from what the staff at the hospital want to do. And so there's some conflict there. So, you know, on one hand, you've got the senior officer telling you, you know, Lieutenant Commander Moore, you need to do X, Y, and Z. And on the other side, there's the physician, Dr. Moore, thinking, no, that's not the right priority, okay? Now, they would never intervene and say patient care. That is, you know, uh, assured thing. But just sort of policies and things like that, you can run into it. Um, but the reality is those have been minor. Those have been minor. I think you'll find in the military a lot of the strain and the pressures that you find on in within civilian organizations, especially with budgets and all that kind of stuff, aren't nearly as important. And you will find that if you go to a military hospital, everybody is truly committed to the mission of that hospital, which is taking care of the soldiers, the sailors, the Marines, the airmen who are seen there and their families, so.
0: Why did you decide to retire from the Navy?
1: Well, it was, I think it was time to not spend so much time away. So, you know, as an example, Um, although going on deployment is, can be a lot of fun, you spend a lot of time away. So my youngest child is adopted and we adopted her from China. My wife and I went through three years of the process to adopt her. And wouldn't, you know, the same week that we found out that we had a date to go to China, I found out I was being deployed to Iraq. And literally within days of each other, my wife flew to China to get my daughter and I flew to Iraq uh, and spent, you know, nine months there. So over the years, you know, that just gets old, Um, as enjoyable as it is, I think it's probably more enjoyable for the service member who gets to go off and do some cool stuff. Not as much fun for the family who's stuck behind. And so after 27 years, it was just time to say, that's enough. Uh, let, let somebody else do this and I'll go on and do something different.
0: Yeah. Understandable. So now you are a family physician and an educator. Do you ever get bored? Like, Do you, do you miss that unknown of traveling at a whim's notice and being called off? <laughs>
1: you know, it's funny. So. I, gosh, I think I counted up the number of times I've moved my family and it's, you know, like 18 or something like that. And so my wife and I joke that we don't know how to live anywhere longer than about two or maybe three years at the most. And it's true. You know, we, we live, I live in Tri-Cities, which is a little ways away from where PNWU is. We've been there for a few years and we're itching to leave already. It's just funny. It's in our it's in our blood. So we do miss that. Um, And honestly, I do miss the challenges. I miss some of the things that we were involved in. Um, You know, it's kind of exciting. It's exciting to go to different places and to help people. It's exciting to be part of a team like I was that when there's a natural disaster and you get packed up and put on a C-130 and you fly to the area and you, you know, you start providing emergency medical care. Um, And it's fun to train folks to do that, which I also had the opportunity to do. Um, I think the thing that I found that I enjoyed a lot as I got towards the end of my career was teaching other medical professionals. Hence the reason I landed at PNWU, because I like teaching others to go on and do great things. Um, and impart, you know, what wisdom I have to them, and I also really love the fresh perspectives, the new outlooks, the different life experiences that all of the medical students bring, and we can all bring to bear on taking care of each other. So, to me, that's exciting. So, it was a natural transition.
0: What are some pitfalls we should avoid as physicians and/or officers? Do you have any advice on that?
1: When you're new into the service, don't get too wrapped up with any authority you may think you have because you are an officer. Concentrate on your role as a physician and then translate that into your role as an officer. Your role as a physician is to take care of folks. And if you really work on that, and then you take those that outlook and translate it into your officership. You'll have an outlook where you are taking care of those that are assigned under you. And I think that will serve you well, as opposed to starting off saying, I'm the boss, I'm the officer, everybody do this, when in reality, you may not really know what's going on and what everybody needs to do. So if you look at it, if you look at that position as a position of service rather than a position of authority, you're gonna do very well. And the people who work for you are gonna thrive. And that's ultimately your job as a leader within the military is to allow others to thrive and do well.
0: Is there anything you wish you knew as a medical student or an intern?
1: That was a long time ago. I think that looking back, I felt the same pressure that all of you feel. I feel like I have to know every single thing right now. And I struggled because my brain cannot hold everything and I can't learn everything right now. And I just can't remember all of it. And if I could talk to myself from this perspective way back then and say, you know what? Trust the system. You are gonna see the important things again and again and again. And every time you'll learn a little bit more and a little bit more and a little bit more. And by the time we give you the reins, so to speak, to operate independently, you will have enough knowledge to operate independently. Will you have all of it? No, but no physician has all of the knowledge and you'll gain knowledge every time you see a patient. So I think knowing that, it would have helped to take a lot of the pressure I felt off and probably would have allowed me to actually absorb more along the way.
0: It's the battle, right?
1: (laughs) It is.
0: (laughs) Is there anything else you want to add before we sign off?
1: I guess the last thing I would say is for those folks who are going, you know, who have chosen to go into the military for medicine, there are going to be two parts of your career that that will eventually become intertwined. But when you start off, you may see them very separately. One is the medicine side, getting through internship, getting through residency. And that is obviously very important. And the other side is the life within the military the life that offers you a chance to travel, a life that offers you a chance to go on deployment, to get training that you wouldn't otherwise get. Try to find a mix and do some of both. Um, There are some physicians who say, I just wanna be an internist and the army's gonna pay for it. So all I'm gonna do is go to my training hospital and then try to get one job at a clinic at the hospital and then get out. And I guess that's okay but you're really not taking advantage of all that the military has to offer. Not everybody needs to stay for as long as I did, but there are unique aspects to being in the military. And I think that you are doing yourself a disservice if you don't take advantage of at least some of them. So, you know, get out, think outside the box, ask to be deployed, go to some far flung place in the world that you would have never thought you would want it to go. Go to someplace in the United States you never thought you'd go to. Go to Minot, North Dakota, for example. Why not, you know? The nice thing is it's not your forever home. You're there for a few years and then you move on and you're gonna have some great experiences. Go to Alaska, go to Arizona, you know? These are opportunities that if you're a regular physician, a civilian physician, and you join a practice or start a practice, you're kind of stuck there, right? Because you've got to run a business. But in the military, you don't. The business is external and you just get to do medicine. So go explore. And then later on in life, settle down if you want to. Or maybe you get, you know, that exploration bug sticks with you and you're like me and some other folks and you just keep exploring and exploring and exploring. So, but definitely take advantage of all the unique aspects of being in the military.
0: All right. Well, thank you, Dr. Moore. I appreciate you taking your time to talk with me and then allowing me to share this with uh, my fellow students.
1: Thank you. You're very welcome. It was very enjoyable. And if you ever want to chat more about any of this, please just let me know.
0: That wraps up our episode with Dr. Moore today. Thank you so much for your time and sharing your experiences with us, future military physicians. For those of you listening, if you have any recommendations for the podcast or anything you'd like to hear in particular, feel free to email famopseducationchair@gmail.com. at Thanks for tuning in.